forget about the fact that they're customer and start thinking of them as human being. They're a person. You need to talk to them like a person. You need to act from a human being to another human being and give love. Today on Dirty Linen, we are jetting across to Italy. I'm so excited. It's a while since I've been in Europe. Our guest today is Sebastiano Pisasale. He was the manager of Bray Restaurant in country Victoria and he's moved back to Italy. I'm really keen to understand what he's, what's, what's lured him away from Australia. Uh, Seb, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Ciao. Thank you for having me. Uh, tell us where you are right now. What's it, what's, where um, are you in Italy? Yeah. So right now I'm in Italy, as you said, um, and you should come back in Italy, by the way, um, very soon. Uh, I'm in Lombardy, uh, very close to Milan, in a town that's called Inzago. It's about 18 kilometers from Milan. Yeah, it's a very cute little town. Oh my goodness, I love that part of Italy and I will accept your invitation. Um, if I could teleport myself there right now, I certainly would. <laughs> uh, is that your hometown, Sebastiano? This is my hometown as of May. Um, I was originally, um, let's start again. Uh, I was born in uh, Sicily, so I'm originally from Sicily, but I live now. Uh, from May, I moved to, I moved back to Lombardy and I'm living in Inzago, which is a very cute little place, I have to say. And what are you up to there? Uh, Lots of things. So the, re the main, one of the main reasons why I moved back is uh, to be closer with my family, let's be totally honest. Uh, but also um, I, wanted to, I wanted to achieve my goal. My main goal has always been to open my own place and um, my little restaurant. And I have a friend uh, who I've always wanted to do it with, and he is from Inzago. So uh, we've decided together to uh, move here, um, check the market, uh, see how things are, and find a spot. And that's what we're doing right now. Uh, we've potentially found a location that requires a a little bit of renovation uh, so in the meantime to make things very short we've decided to um, open um, and do a pop-up for six months uh, so somebody is uh, allowing us to be in their location for free and we're gonna be doing a um, pop-up uh, until April four or seven courses only we just want to have lots of fun. And is it is it traditional Italian food? Like what's the cuisine direction? The cuisine is going to be Italian, but we have both spent more than 10 years in Australia. So there will be lots of influences from other words, cuisines, essentially. There's going to be lots of Asian influencers for instance we see how it's going to be received in uh, a place that's very traditional i have to say because we're obviously not in a big town we're in the country this is so interesting to me so uh, i mean yeah italian italian cuisine is so 
deeply regional. It's so, you know, traditions are honoured um, in a way that, you know, it's one of the reasons that Australians love to travel to Italy. But, I mean, from your perspective, like how long did you live in Australia? Uh, it was exactly 11 years. I moved. Okay, so a long time. So we'll get I'll, we'll get the, we'll get to the story, but just before we before we before we do that, I would just love you to give us a bit of perspective on the differences between restaurants in Australia and Italy. Um, they're very different. They're totally different. Uh, there is a uh, there is a grammatic on the way you dined outside in Italy, an etiquette and. Uh, uh, rules that you have to respect that I don't necessarily agree with um, and uh, I don't necessarily like always. There is certain places are uh, okay to do that, uh, but there is no need to do that in a trattoria when you want to go out on a, um, on a weeknight and you want to eat just a meal with your wife or your partner or your family anyway. Uh, that the beauty of Australian eating is the fact that you just go out and completely destroy any etiquette, which is absolutely beautiful for me, for me, and you just become spontaneous because I really value being spontaneous and being real. And I have to say that I've started doing it in my, in my little while I was working in a restaurant in uh, uh, here, close to Milan, and I was doing things that were not following necessarily the rules, and people were, like, very happy about it, or at least very pleasantly surprised. And that is what is very much exciting me to open, even for six months, and experiment even for six months. Because there's young people who want to go out and want to see new things. And so what sort of rules are there? What, what are these rules that you're going to be breaking? Starting from the way you dress or starting from the way you uh, set the table, where is it written that you need to put a tablecloth down? Who said that? Is it really necessary? That's the first question that, is generally the question that, um, how, how do you say, the question that uh, sorts most reaction, most bad reaction on the other side. Because there's a lot of people who think still that you need to have um, a tablecloth on the table. Who, I understand that there is a way you set a cutlery, cutlery on the table, but I've always been interested in the way you could set cutlery in very different way, in very fun way. Why do I have to put it on the right? Can I put it on top, for instance? Or people ask for a Mario always in Italy, always. Um, and instead of bringing a Mario, I, I bring small artisanal vermouth and they just go crazy about it. Vermouth is something that you open a dinner or a meal with, and instead I'm letting them close with a vermouth on ice and a wedge of orange. And this is something that in Australia is very common. There is no rules. You can start a meal the way you want it. You can close a meal the way you want it. 
and it's fun. It's just beautiful. It just becomes light and you want to go back to that place because, um, because you've been feeling good during the how one and a half hour you've been there, for instance. Does it make sense? Do I, am I too crazy? Or? No, I find it so interesting because I think, you know, there's another one perspective is, well, you know, Australian hospitality culture, you know, it, was, it grew up in ignorance. People didn't know how to eat. They made all these mistakes. They got everything wrong. But now you're sort of um, exporting back that, you know, delicious, abandoned <laughs> ignorance and saying it's like this freedom. We're embracing this no rules paradise. Exactly. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um being able to being an Italian way and being able to cook in a place that has very deep culinary tradition and following the tra- that tradition and serving them with a service style that's completely free of any rules or etiquette and light will be fun for me, I think. That's what we're trying to achieve. I'm not going to forget um, Ital- traditional Italian cuisine. We are not going to do that, but we just want to lighten things up if it makes sense. Yeah. Well, Seb, the reason that I reached out and was so keen to have you on the podcast is what you said on a film that was made at Bray called Bray, A View to the Future. And you basically opened this film with your with your words, which I think really set the tone for the experience of hospitality at Bray and you say I've always defined the Bray experience as sincere people drive three hours or more they plan a weekend around us so when they when they walk through that door we owe them humanity yeah I mean that is very profound and it's very it's really relating to people in their moment, isn't it? Rather than this, you don't have this baggage of what it means to come to a restaurant. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I've, 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 always, I've always believed and I've always thought that the power of hospitality is in human relationship. That's why I do this job. That's why most of people do this job especially the people obviously who've decided to do this job as a career and they've chosen this industry as a career. A, because it allows you to meet so many people and maintain relationship with them always, forever. And B, because you just meet guests, new guests, day by day, every day. And our job is not just to repeat repetitively do the task that we're meant to do because part of service is being able to build a relationship with these people. And this doesn't mean necessarily become friend with them. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's trying to absolutely forget about the fact that their customer and start thinking at them as human being. They're a person. You need to talk to them like a person. You need to um, act from a human being to another human being and give love, 
professional love, if that's the case, to allow them to have a great time. And that is what Bray was amazing at, because he was the perfect spot for that. What might what might that mean, you know, for different people? Like what are some of the different expressions of that of that love that you would show? It's it's the fact that um, the first thing you do is open the door and welcome them and if they need anything you just give it to them straight away and any small detail in that place will will help you to to achieve to achieve that mission like if they didn't if they looked for instance rushed or because they've had two hours drive we were giving them few minutes we were n- never going straight away to talk to them because they've had three hours drive or a flight plus the drive from the airport to there and all I was saying to um, my team was just give them some time to relax and then we go and start everything because that's what they needed or if they didn't want to talk to us because they were shy we were trying to keep the conversation um, as little as possible doesn't make sense yeah no it's um i think what you're what you're saying in so many words is that it's it's all about observation which i mean to me that is the key to to great service is that is that observation you can't you can't do anything without first observing and reading the situation yeah absolutely and and do it by lighting things up and being a human being and joking with them as well at certain at certain times. So, Sebastiano, this is where we can dive into the chronology because I want to know how you came to choose hospitality as a career and, and I want to know about some of the sort of light bulb moments along the way, whether you had mentors that opened up this world for you, whether you worked it out for yourself. Like, yeah, take us, take us through your story. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, be very, I'd be very short, very quick. I started, um, I started in Italy. I worked three years in Milan. I've always worked in um, hospitality. It was a different job. I was in actually uh, a marketing office of a very big catering company because I finished uh, university and it was tourism management. And while every other colleague of mine was going to do a hotel, I decided to um, focus on restaurants or food related uh, industry. So I decided to go and work in this um, catering company, but I went to Australia when I was 18. And I've always had this idea to go back to Australia because um, because I wanted to try uh, how you guys work. And uh, at some stage, uh, in 2011, I decided to uh, quit my job and move to Australia. Nine days after I arrived, I started working at Viedemont, um, where I worked for two years. Um, then 
I moved to Sydney when I uh, in 2017, I believe, uh, and I worked at Sepia for five years. So Martin, Vicky, and Ben Brown are some of my, uh, together with Jules and Dan, obviously, um, are some of my uh, mentor, if that's the case. Um, and then I decided to completely change lifestyle. I didn't want to work in another city restaurant. Um, at some stage, I decided to um, contact Simon and because I wanted to live in the countryside and moved to Brett. And I knew it was going to be hard at the very beginning because it's obviously uh, in the countryside. So I decided as a personal goal to stay for one year and instead I remained for a little bit more than four years because I loved it. (laughs) Um, And what were some of the the key things that that drove you along your path, um, you know, you're working at some of Australia's best and most revered restaurants with some really extraordinary um, people front and back of house. What, what were some of the key moments um, or transitions along that path? Uh, well, I started really falling in love with hospitality and decided, and I decided really that front of house was going to be my career when I moved to Sydney and I started working in at Sepia. Um, it was it was a very important step for me and in my career and everything I learned there, every detail I learned there, I still remember and I will bring it with me forever. And Brad just stopped it up and uh, being able to see the process of crafting experience depending on the person or or, uh, the guest that you have in front of you is what I will always keep with me and I've learned it through these two experiences, these two past experiences if it makes sense. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, Sepia and Bray um, are quite different restaurants, aren't they? I mean, yeah, very, totally could, the opposite. Could you, I mean, just, you know, most people probably haven't been to either of them. Could you give a little bit of insight into the different kinds of experiences um, that those two restaurants have offered and, and what you, yeah, there's different skills that you needed to be able to deliver those different experiences. Yeah, uh, it was a, a so CBA was a much bigger restaurant, even for, from a team point of view. It was about double, um, yeah, front of ours and and back as well. Um, uh, I learned and I loved that CBA was full of. European <laughs> that is what made it very comfortable and um, being able to communicate with people from different country was one of the ta- one of the quality you needed to have if you were at sepia and being able to communicate within the team to being able to transfer the experience we wanted to, 
to what we wanted the guests to have uh, was one of the main things that you needed to learn uh, sepia, if it makes sense. And what about at Bray? Uh, it was more a let's, let's um, how do I say it? It was more being able to become a small a person who built a sartorial experience to 10 tables. It was a much smaller uh, situation. It was a much smaller uh, team. And you, the, the most important thing that you needed to, or quality that you needed to have, uh, was being able to deliver as sincere, as I said, experience to the guest. It was very sartorial. There were lots of small details that needed to be much more than uh, what's possibly being thought. And, and it was very important to follow all these small details, if it makes sense. Give, give us an example of some of those details because, you know, I've eaten at Bray uh, but it's like the experience just washes over you. I'm sure there's so much that, you know, is happening around me. <laughs> One of the things that we tried to do was to record every single menu for every single guest. So if you come back the next time, you didn't have necessarily the same dishes. And if you come back the next time, we would have called you by name. That was one of the small details because you you would have, you were a repeat guest and we knew that by booking system. So that was one of the main things uh, that I can tell you, for instance. And, I mean, is that is that so radical for to take back to Italy, that sort of detail? I would say yes. For the majority of restaurants, I don't think that in Italy these small details are followed, with the exception of very famous or important restaurant, obviously. I've never worked in a three Michelin star restaurant in Italy, so I can't speak for for them. Um, I don't know what standard they follow, but being able to craft the experience like we did at Bre, it would be something I would try to bring with me in my new project for sure. Mm. And what about working conditions? What's it like um, in hospitality in Italy compared to Australia? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, it's it's been like going back because I obviously have lived the moment when in Australia someone has sat down and recognised that there was a problem in hospitality, so that needed to be solved. And there was a problem of structure of industry and hours of work and all the other problems that we know. And in Italy, this conversation is not started yet. There is signs from big chefs uh, that they want to start it, but there is not the same open-mindedness that people have in Australia. So you have all the staff members that recognise 
the problem and on the other side you have a wall from the owner of restaurants that will never allow any change so I'm also very excited to do my things to show people that's actually possible to do hospitality in a different way. Mm, that's so interesting. So at the moment, is it quite normal to be working long hours and... Yes, but the, the, the problem is that uh, in Italy, the norm is 12 shift a week, which is now humanly possible. It's six double. Wow. Um, and everyone is trying to say that's not possible like you need to have two days off a week because otherwise it's not doable and um, on the other side there is as I say that now from the owner of the restaurant so what's happening is that you completely don't have stuff because nobody wants to work for with these conditions and that's where we're at we're at this stage where you don't have any single chef or any single waiter. Uh, I read an article the other day and there is about 151,000 uh, waiters missing in Italy. Oh, wow. That is... So there's nobody who wants to do this job and there is a multiple restaurant closing because they simply don't have staff unless the chef is also a waiter and manage the restaurant. Meantime, Australian Australian restaurants are waiting for the Italians to come back. So to come, yeah, exactly. That's where we're at. This is the, the this is the situation I've found. And it's very worrying. And the problem is that they offer you, the, the, the restaurant owner, they even offer you a good salary compared to the average that is uh, right now in Italy. But the problem is that staff members don't want more money. They just want more free hour, which is what restaurant owner and manager don't understand. Like my partner has a three years old son. And he doesn't care if he earns 300 euro more a month. He just wants more time with his son. <laughs> it's a very normal thing. At some stage of a life, you've got a mother that has a kid and needs to spend time with, with the son or the daughter or a, a father. So we need to decide if we want to keep going with an industry that's that's that allows father and mother to work in this industry, giving them the chance to spend time with them or not. Otherwise, we need to stop everyone at the moment when they decide to have a family, which is not even askable. Like, this is not even a question for me, obviously. Yeah, I know, you know, one of the things that, you sometimes hear in Australia is that um, Australian the Australian public doesn't respect hospitality as a career. They don't respect front of house as a as a viable long term plan. And it, and 
and in Europe, people do. You know, in Europe, you see older waiters. In Europe, it's a career. But it's interesting what you're saying. Like, it doesn't doesn't quite fit together. Like, yes, maybe it's a career, but it's um, it's it's not the work life balance isn't there. I I don't think that in Europe is that different. It's true that in Europe you see old waiters, but um, I've always said it, it, that doesn't matter if it's in Australia or in Italy. It's a global thing. I've always said that the hospitality industry has never thought of itself as an industry. It's just happened. And um, there has never been a structure. And these years we're living are the first year we're actually having a serious conversation about problems that until six or seven years ago you were not even allowed to speak um what do i mean with that okay i'll do an example i've been a waiter for 11 years then at some stage i was a restaurant manager what happens after that because i'm sure that if you go in a bank and you start and you and you work in a bank for 11 years, you have different steps and you have different, you achieve different goals during your career. Does it make sense? And you achieve also different positions. This doesn't happen in hospitality. And that's nobody's fault. Huh? It's, just a, it's just a problem that there is people nowadays, like before, that have who have decided to leave this as a career. So they need more than a certain two-step career, if if it makes sense. So right now I'm in a moment where I wanted to leave closer to my family, but I also wanted, because I'm I'm close to 40 now, so my my physical energy, my body energy is also... (laughs) Is also going away. Let's also not lie about that. There, is, so I was I was in a moment where it's like I want to live close to my family, but I also want to achieve my goal, which is for me, open my restaurant. And if I don't do it now, I can't do it at forty-two because because I'm tired now. So I don't know what happens in two years. Does it make sense, Danny? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, life doesn't end at 42. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm trying to say. No, no, no. But it, it requires energy. It requires energy. So um, that's what I'm at now. And and there should be more, more, more options for people who don't want to hop in their place. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think it's it's very wise what you're saying. Um, it, it, I mean, f- there are so many thing, good things about the unstructured and free and, um, yeah, nature of the hospitality industry, but then it doesn't work in all kinds of ways and that there isn't necessarily pathways and structures that support people as they want to grow and learn more and um, get more stability perhaps if that's, if that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm starting to see what a revolutionary project it is that you're embarking on in Italy. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, now pressure is on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very, it's very exciting. Um, yeah. Uh, do you know? Do you know? So, okay, so you got the pop up, and then look for a site, and then hopefully by the time I get to Italy next year, sometime um, I'll be able to come to your restaurant. The the idea is to have a restaurant in about ten months, a real restaurant in 10 months that's what we're trying to achieve and uh, the pop-up should should be able to should give us time to do that so we're ready wow well i hope italy is ready <laughs> um sebastiano is there anything else that you'd like to say oh i think any other question because otherwise i'm very happy to have been part of it and yeah Ah, I'm so happy to that, that we finally connected. Um, yeah, I think it's it's you know it's Australia's loss, but definitely Italy's gain. And um, now we have another place to visit in Italy. So thank you so much for sharing your story today and giving us such interesting insights into hospitality industries both here and over in Italy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for your patience as well. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.